Throws it down the field. It's caught at the 10. And this game is over. The Cowboys win it. C.D. Lamb. Geno Smith will drop deep. He'll pump. He'll take it. Lost the football. Knocked out by one. Recovered by Devin Bush, who circles the right way. He almost lost the ball. But he's got it at the 16. And the Smith fumble forced by the defensive star, T.J. Watt. Second down and 13. As Cousins throws. Osborne, touchdown. Vikings win. Minus three with Dave Damashek. Oh, yeah, it was another great sports weekend. I, for one, enjoyed it. Mostly, there were some there were some rough patches in there. But like I say, came out uh, good for me. Hi and hello and welcome to Minus Three, presented by FanDuel. Make sure you get into the Extra Points Arcade. Play against us, with us. Cousin Sal on down. Head over to ExtraPoints.com and, uh, and play us not just in pro football pick em, college football, culture pick them like tv stuff and otherwise baseball playoffs um and uh, make sure you bet along with us fanduel.com slash minus three it's the word minus the number three coming up on this episode of minus three trey turner late of the victory in overtime against geno smith and the seahawks we'll chop that up and see what lays ahead for trey and the those pittsburgh steelers the dodgers are headed to atlanta the red Sox and astros are gonna toil nba set the tip the puck already dropped in the nhl reeling denver broncos at the banged up browns on thursday night football big week for me upcoming i'm heading to bloomington indiana where i matriculated looking forward to doing that last time i was there i think it was like 12 or 15 years ago the hoosiers knocked off a ranked iowa hawkeyes team purdue did that over the weekend in case you somehow missed that we'll see if the hoosiers can repeat the feat with damashek in the stands once again um Ohio State figures to be a a uh, more uh, difficult challenge, and I'm not going to hold my breath to see if Tom Allen and company can uh, can get that one. Pitt is hosting Clemson in Pittsburgh, and get this, Eddie Spaghetti, Pitt's favored. They're favored to win. They're favored to beat Dabo and company. I don't know what to make of it. The world is upside down. Kenny Pickett is making a case for the Heisman Trophy. We got some college football to get into, and uh, all overshadowed in the short term um, by Mo Damashek, uh, our favorite here, obviously, and everybody's favorite on minus three and anything I ever do. She has the uh, the highest rating of any guest we've ever had. Old Mo Mo Damashek having knee surgery. We're sending our best from L.A. I'm sure everybody who's ever heard Mo is uh, sending her well wishes as well. We know it's going to go well for her fixing up her knee so uh, she can bounce the grandkids off of it for many moons to come. And with that said, Eddie Spaghetti, shall we jump into the weekend that was? I would love to do that. It was uh, another great weekend of sports. Um, you know, excited outside of the teams that I root for, but excited to watch uh, sport in general, whether that's college, pro hockey, pro football, playoff baseball. It's good times. Well, like I say, you can also do the um, like the TV and movie pop game also at the Extra Points Arcade. Get in there for that. The in the latest one is what will be the highest grossing movie in the month of October. I put my money on Dune. James yeah. Bond would be in there. You saw Last Duel. I want to get your review of that because Succession sure. aired on Sunday Night Football. Steelers and Seahawks ended up being, a, I don't know if you would say a well-played game, but a close game. It seems like um, just about every pro football game. The Sunday morning started out here on the West Coast. It felt like finally there's going to be an imperfect slate of games. They're all going to be double-digit victories for everybody, and even that ended up um, with a, with an interesting finish to it. The the in Charlotte, North Carolina, the Vikings getting got by Sam Darnold to force the overtime. Then Kirk Cousins gets over in that OT frame. But let's start with what should be the headline in pro football and all due respect, Kyler Murray and uh, Arizona Cardinals, what you did in Cleveland stunned me. We'll get to that in a second. But again, the weirdest thing in sports remains Tom Brady and the Buccaneers. They're five and one. And we don't talk about them nearly enough. And when we do talk about them, we wring our hands about 
I can't believe they let the Eagles back into that game. They're not beating teams by enough. Boy, a little disappointing what Brady did up in Foxborough. That should have been a more decisive victory. They're 5-1, and one, and Eddie Spaghetti, I turn to you with this question because I don't think I really have a good answer to it. Let's say you had to bet one of your four limbs on this. Which of the NFC powerhouse teams, as they present currently, the Arizona Cardinals, the L.A. Rams who housed your Giants um, on Sunday, and a lot of people upset about Joe Judge. Um, By the way, I said it on Sunday once again. I've said it ad nauseum over the last, whatever, 15 years or so. It is inexplicable that the guy who is held up as the greatest coach in the history of people, and he may well be that, has the lamest coaching tree of all the coaching legends in the world joe judge another one brian flores now his job would uh, appear to be in some jeopardy after shame of shame she lose to urban meyer and the jacksonville jaguars that's weird but okay cardinals rams dallas cowboys eddie spaghetti are are for real i i am fully in on that team after even before the victory up in foxborough but especially after it and um, am I forgetting anyone from the list there of our pa- – oh, and the Green Bay Packers. That's who I'm forgetting about, um, who owns the uh, – the, their quarterback owns the Chicago Bears, if you didn't hear. Is there any team that you would wager a limb or, let's say, $8,000 on to beat the Buccaneers in a playoff game? Yeah, I think I could – I mean, I would try to pick which limb first. Probably my left arm because uh, I'd want both my legs and I need my right arm some variety. So I'd wager the left arm. Yeah. But that's a, good, that's a good call. Your non-throwing arm. My non-throw – yeah, exactly. I need my throwing arm to throw my 50-yard spirals. Uh, I have been uh, on the Cowboys bandwagon. I think that week one game could have went a lot different. So I think the Cowboys have a fair shot versus Tom Brady hmm. and the Bucks. I don't think the Packers could do it. Um, I don't think the Cardinals are a tough one. I mean, the mobile quarterback thing could always, always screws up defenses because unless you have a true spy on him, I mean, the Cardinals are the one I'm not sure about. I think if the Rams and the Bucks played again, the Bucks would win. Uh, I don't, the Rams, I'm not going to get, I mean, yeah, they, they housed the giants, but it was the giants, you know, JV team. Um, but I think they're fine, but I still think there's some flaws within that team. And I think they could stop that running game. So yeah, I mean, well, they're I, all flawed I, though, but I think like, that's the kind of the thing we think, well, you know, think globally, act locally. We watch locally and then we obsess over the I, imperfections of even our good teams. And I know you're not rooting for one right now in the giants, but you can pick apart any team. Oh, you know how you get the bucks is by doing this. Every team in the age of free agency has a has a flaw or three to it. Um, I just I don't. I, I well, I will say with the Cowboys against them, the, the Cowboys, the flaws, and this is stuff that I was I was harping on in the preseason was their O line was not as good as it was in years past, and the defense we all thought was going to be atrocious, and the offensive line is doing their job. I mean Zeke and and Pollard, whoever's you know running the ball for them, has done a great job this year, and the defense, you know turnovers may not last the entire season but having a player like Diggs who's a special player who just is a ball hawk that I mean and that 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 counts for uh, turnovers the most important thing by far also having your first round pick Micah Parsons going from just a coverage linebacker to now a pass rushing linebacker having an edge rusher that good changes a lot of things so their defense which is was supposed to be the the negative of that team is now a positive because they're getting the ball back to this dynamic offense so the Cowboys to me out of those other teams outside of the Bucks, have the least amount of flaws or at least the flaws that we thought were going to happen are no longer translating so they're you know it pains me to say this as an NFC East team but they are I think is, is really as good as it gets. I, I, yeah, I, that's absolutely right. And of course, a recurring point for me is that 21st century defenses, if you are a fan of whichever team and you think your team should be defense dominant, what that equals in the Lord's year 2021 is not something that you might've seen in 1983, which is to say a defense that so suppresses its foe and holds them to single digits. What you need now is a defense that forces turnovers. That's what the Dallas Cowboys have now. That's what they're capable of doing led by uh, Trevon Diggs. And let's talk about Brady's old team and the Belichick mojo, which seemed like it was doing its thing against uh, against those Cowboys, but ultimately not enough. Trevon Diggs does it again, a pick six, seven interceptions in six weeks. And I got to say, by the way, that uh, he's chasing 
the weirdest or among the weirdest longstanding um, sports records out there. Night Train Lane in 1950, Eddie Spaghetti, has 14 interceptions in 12 games. It seems like, uh, uh, to my mind, of course, I don't go back and watch games from 1950, but wouldn't you think that they threw the ball about two or three times an entire game? How did one guy get 14 interceptions in 1950 and in the pass happy, everybody always uh, goes the other way with it. Well, listen, you got to realize that they throw the ball much more now than they used to. How is it possible that a guy in 1950 in 12 games got 14 interceptions? It's loco, but either way, Trevon Diggs now tracking towards breaking that record. We'll see if he can keep up this insane rate, but seven picks in six games, and um, he's exactly what I'm talking about. Uh, the quintessential Micah Parsons is also that that kind of uh, that uh, defensive player who gives the ball to his offense and allows them one or two more shots over the course of 60 minutes or, um, in the case of that game in Foxborough, extended past 60 minutes. That... I. I think that's an interesting pick that you're making because it seems like everybody's waiting for the other shoe to drop. I think that they were ready to point to Sunday against the Patriots and say, see, I told you, same old Cowboys. Maybe they are the best team in the NFC. And and as you say, that uh, that season opening game in uh, the Tampa St. Pete area should have woke us all up there. Yeah. Can I just throw one more thing out there, too? And this like, like what is what do the Cardinals have to do to let us trust them and like i you know i feel like this is almost an unfair thing me picking the cowboys like meanwhile this team's still undefeated they have an mvp candidate at quarterback they have arguably the best receiver in deandre hopkins jj watt looks like he's 25 years old again they're going to get challenge jones back like the defense is playing above what we thought they were going to play the offense is is great and we make fun of cliff kingsbury but it's hard to stop them right now they're beating good teams like i don't know what they're going to have to do in our minds the, the collective football fans slash media's minds to be like oh wait the cardinals actually are for real we could see them winning a playoff game uh in january because i right now i guess i'm not fully buying in i'm not, and i'm not really sure why because they just they proven me wrong pretty much every single week i'll tell you why Eddie spaghetti it's because you're a human being and you're susceptible to the same things that uh, that work on other people's brains including the people who vote in college football for preseason who their rankings are, 1 through 25, as if you could divine anything. Same thing applies here. It's why I always say pro football doesn't need power rankings because it has a playoff structure in place and divisions and everything else that establish who gets to play whom come January and into February. This is exactly what I always bellyache about with college football now happening in pro football. No one saw the Cardinals coming, so we're having a hard time buying them. We understood Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. We get what that brand is. The Cowboys, maybe we had our doubts going into the season, but the brand is big enough that we that we buy them as soon as we see them starting to play well. Obviously, the Buccaneers. The Cardinals are a curveball. Nobody saw it coming, and so they are sort of like the University of Cincinnati or otherwise in college football. We don't know how to rate this team because we didn't believe them before it, and of course, confirmation bias is part of what plagues our brain, and so this is in the way. The Cardinals are for real, but in that division, I am going to stay cynical here, and I'm going to stick with the Rams and even the Niners. Now, what I did tell you was that the Seahawks we're not going to the postseason. It seems almost clear after what happened in Pittsburgh on Sunday night that their chances are doomed um, with Geno Smith likely to stay under center there, although there is some buzz about Cam Newton, and I do want to talk about that. I talk about differences in the 20th century uh, NFL versus 21st century. One thing that's happened in the last 5, 10 years is in-season trading. I mean, Cam Newton is out on the street right now, and now that he has the COVID shot, now he may be more appealing to some teams that might have avoided him otherwise. It's interesting now to see these teams who are falling away. Von Miller's a name, as a for instance, that on the Denver Broncos, in the last year of his contract, where reasonably, he's in his early 30s, where that do the Broncos perceive themselves to be in the mix? If they're ready to say this is a lost season, wouldn't they? Wouldn't it make sense for them to consider moving Von Miller right now to a contender? And it can completely swing some of the assumptions we have about who these teams are in mid-October. They could look very different by Thanksgiving because people now actually make moves at the trade deadline. 
Uh, I think, yeah, I, I think there's a, a, a clear path for, for the Broncos to trade away Von Miller. They're not going to compete in that division, uh, especially with the, the, you know, the Chargers did lose a game, but it, like the Raiders came back and won. They still have a, a winning record. We'll have a winning record, I think, for the remainder of the season. So there's no reason for the Broncos to hold on to these big contracts. It's funny you say that, too, because I was actually thinking about the same thing with the Giants, that the Giants are this team that like want to do the rebuild but they also wanted to uh, sign big money contracts to players like a Leonard Williams or James Bradbury, Blake Martinez, so on. And now you're in a situation where your team is absolutely atrocious and you don't even have the cap space for a name like Russell Wilson, who you brought up before moving teams in the off season. It's like, well, then if the Giants want to move heaven and earth to get a guy like Russell Wilson, that's great, but they don't have the cap space for it. So I would be in favor of them pawning off players too, to uh, contenders. Uh, I mean, maybe we always think that there, there are, available candidates for the NFL teams to make trades, but it's not like the NBA trade deadline or even major league baseball to an extent, which is unfortunate for, for us fans. Uh, but uh, I More think they're definitely used are to be guys. though. Like if yeah. you're, if you know, if you're the, the giants right now, and, and of course, you know, Gettleman for his own sake wants to keep Saquon to validate using that pick on him. But a guy like that, you know, with his future uncertain and 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 likely a, a decent sized contract coming his way, what if he gets right uh, sooner rather than later? You know, if you're the say the Ravens or or I'm not sure who else off the top of my head, Total, you know, I mean, running back, wouldn't that totally. make sense to be? I to, totally to, agree. I love Saquon as a, as a human being and as a player, but it just does not pay to literally pay running backs anymore. And they don't really help teams. And so many guys this season have gone down, both Chubb and Hunter hurt and another name want to throw out and another team who should move on for him because they're having issues at quarterback too. We kind of bought it into him a little early on in the season, but the Carolina Panthers, Darnold's not the guy apparently. And the team revolves around Christian McCaffrey. I know they just signed him to a huge deal, but you, I think they got to move on for him. He's only played six games, I think, since the 2019 season. And I, I get he's the best player in the field when he's healthy. But for a guy like that, I mean, you have to just move on to a total rebuild. It's not worth starting every season as a Panther independent organization. Be like, all right, this is going to be the year that CMC is going to be healthy and the offense is going to revolve around him. Like, yeah, when he plays, he's great. It's 200 total yards and a couple touchdowns and whatever. But but getting six games at three seasons is just not worth it. They should pawn him off to a, a team like the Ravens who are a contender or uh, whoever else needs help with the running back position. So I like, I, yeah, it sucks to admit that the Giants wasting the second overall pick on Saquon, but it's, it's, it's more than just a player. If the offensive line's not getting pushed and we could see that happening, with the Giants to like the 30th worst uh, or best uh, run blocking team. It's just, what is the, what is the point of a big money running back uh, to keeping on a team? It's right. Well, absolutely right. And also, so just be on the lookout for that. And I wonder if the lack of trades, although there, uh, I keep saying there are more and more over the last five, 10 years than there than there ever were when I was growing up uh, in season, um, especially I wonder if and it's you know, it's not a soft cap. You know, that's the difference. You actually have to be able to fit them under the cap on one hand. On the other hand, you see teams that are able to make it work um, and, and work the magic money. Um, so what your assumption is about your would-be contender can change with some additions. And I would look at those bottom feeders now. Look at the standings. And if the season looks like a wrap, I, it makes sense. And the only reason you might not is because you're an old school GM who it doesn't occur to that that's the way to fix your team up. But, you know, the Seahawks now... Uh, Seahawks fans are sad and Jets fans are happy that the Jamal Adams trade happened because now Jets fans are watching closely and rooting the, for the Seahawks to lose every single game so that because they now own that Seahawks pick and that's climbing up the standings and the Jets are going to end up being good if Zach Wilson can turn the corner. But um, staying in that division and QBs and all that because it is still a QB league. I remain unsold on Mac Jones. It's not, you don't have to have a rifle to succeed in, in pro football. Drew Brees did it. Peyton Manning didn't have the biggest arm in the world. Obviously uh, those guys turned out okay, but he doesn't have a huge arm. And I will say for, I know it was a fun narrative that Trevon Diggs picks sixes Mac Jones on a bad pass. And then Mac Jones immediately turns around, throws the, what would, 
appear to be the game-winning touchdown to Kendrick Bourne. But that was a bad ball. That should have been intercepted. Even Romo said, oh, it's a great story. Diggs, he's the hero. Now he's the ghost. Like, that wasn't on Diggs. That was on the safety. If you go back and watch that, he looked like a video game defensive player. Didn't know where the ball was or something. It was an unusual-looking play. Bottom line is the Patriots now at 2-4 and are getting close to being in a loss season if they don't uh, if they don't pull off a rally sometime soon. I mentioned Aaron Rodgers, now the owner of the Chicago Bears, or at least uh, continuing to be the owner. What did you think about him taunting the crowd? I thought it was great. I don't think we need to linger on that, but just to make sure you're not up on Mount Pius about that. Him I, now, if I were a Bears fan, I would be miffed by it. But that's the whole point. It's fun for there to be some actual, tra- actual, actual trash talking, even if it's not at another player. It was at the opposing fan base. Clever yeah. stuff, Aaron Rodgers. You, 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 you went right around the tra- taunting your foes and taunted their fans instead. It's the first human-like thing Aaron Rodgers has done in, in quite some time. I mean, he's owned the Bears his entire career. And, yeah, gets into the, I've seen plenty of Bears fans who said that it got under their skin. And that's that's awesome. He's showing emotion. I wish the NFL would allow taunting uh, towards players or fans. But he's, I mean, yeah, he's dominated them. He's continuing to dominate them as he's inching towards his you know, 40-year-old year, uh, year old birthday. Who knows where he's going to play next year, if not in the NFC North. But while he has two games versus the Bears this year, he's going to win both those games, especially uh, – and, and, and shove it in their faces. And quickly on the Mac Jones thing too is like I, I understand what you're saying with that. He, uh, if you read about his like stats in college, like analytically, like the in terms of like a window uh, thrower, Joe Burrow, for example, in the SEC was like incrementally better than him, and and Mac Jones fell behind him. But also, you're looking at the Patriots like the talent like they they trade away arguably their best running back and Sony Michelle you have a bunch a stable of mediocre guys he's thrown to like Jacoby Myers and Kendrick Bourne like it's not really doing much like the tight end position I guess Hunter Henry's pretty solid but really outside of that I, I'm not going to get too upset over a guy in his rookie year uh who doesn't really have an, an a an a level weapon uh so and, and they've 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 been even in the tough games they've lost they've been in these games like they were in the game versus the Bucks they were in this game versus the Cowboys like I'm not going to get too harsh on Mac Jones here I think I, I think they have a real legitimate quarterback for the future it's funny there collectively this qb class isn't shining as brightly as maybe the last few have in their rookie seasons um overall but i hear what you're saying but what's not going to change is the guy who's making those personnel decisions so that is part of something you have to cook into the equation mac jones isn't playing with anybody well Belichick ain't going anywhere I don't think anytime soon so that's the situation Mac Jones is under I do wonder I love the what if what if Matt if Cam Newton were there I wonder if there would if that would have been worth a win at this point and at three and three there the teams that are 500 the Pittsburgh Steelers believe it or not Eddie Spaghetti are in a playoff spot if the season ended today, which, spoiler alert, they're not going to end it today. They're, they I, they have every intention of playing Week 7 and beyond. So, you know, don't get too excited about that. But, you know, these teams, like I say, we, we wring our hands locally about our team without looking around. And if you're the Chiefs, if you're the Browns, there's some, um, some probably concerned fans out there. And I know Steelers fans are concerned. But like I said, before the three-game stretch, going to Lambeau and then coming home to play Denver and then Seattle, if they can just get to three and three, the future is brighter than what is in the rearview mirror for that team because of the young offensive line rounding into shape. But about those Browns now and the cards whipping them, but good. We can make excuses for them because they didn't have Chubb. They didn't have their two tackles. Um, and they got jumped by the cards pretty good right out of the gate there. And Bake, the way he fell, I was sure that was it. I w- When he fell on that already injured left shoulder, it looked awkward and gross. And I thought, well, he's going to be out for a month or six weeks, or I don't know what. To his credit, he comes back in. But now they have to come right back and play the Broncos. Four and a half is what they're giving the Broncos. Denver has looked lousy the last fortnight. Who do you got in this one, Spaghetti? Uh, this is a tough one because I've been pretty sour in the Browns. Oh, by the way, no Kareem Hunt. We know that. And no we don't Hunt, know right. about Chubb yet. Right. And and this, I'll tell you, man, the the energy suck, the spiritual suck of Odell Beckham on an NFL uh, franchise is hard. And to he had that huge drop. 
He had that huge drop. He had that huge drop. Baker somehow he's to- always the center of attention. He's always the it's- center of attention, even if he's irrelevant over the course of a game. And at some point, it, I I mean, forget about just Odell. This applies to it, this is one of my best observations. I'm going to pat uh, Dave Damashek on his back. It's fun to have great fancy wide receivers who make one-handed catches and catch it between their legs and be uh, and figure out how to toe tap and all of that and the superhuman stuff. But it does not equal success in January. Go through the 21st century and identify for me who the best wide receiver is to win a Super Bowl. Randy Moss, Terrell Owens, Antonio Brown, Antonio Brown got one with the Bucks last year as the number three wide receiver, so that kind of sort of doesn't count. Julio Jones, Nuke Hopkins, Keenan Allen, we can go on and on. Tyreek Hill got one. Is The answer is probably Tyreek Hill, and sure. obviously he's great, but it's not an essential must-have item if you want to make a, a, a deep playoff run. So this thing about Odell Beckham and, well, think about what he can do and what he can open up for your offense overall – at this point, it's pretty clear it ain't worth it, right? Well, that's the thing that that does think about it because at least b- before now we're entering, you know, we're in this week six of NFL. If this was week one as a defense, you're kind of like, okay, well, there's Odell Beckham in the field. He has to be uh, d- defended. He'd probably two guys on him. You have a corner and then a safety over the top to make sure that he does not kill you. But now defense accordions are going to be like, well, he's clearly a decoy. Baker doesn't even look at him. And he did look at him. Like we just said, he dropped the ball anyway. That would have uh, conferred for a first down. Uh, no, no Chubb potentially hunts out for a bit. So your, your ground game, the bread and butter of this team is now gone. No way. Offens- you're not going to do it. Go ahead and do offensive it. Line, offensive line's banged up. And I've been saying that Baker, the injury, having a shoulder injury and getting injured again is not going to be a good thing. I, I mean, I, I don't. I don't love the, Holy the second hell, he's going to pick the Broncos. Yeah. He's going to pick I, the Broncos, I think, everybody. I think I'm going to take, I think I'm going to take the Broncos. It's going to be a stinker oh for the Browns. They're, they're reeling a bit. Uh, I don't, I don't buy into them. I think, I think it matters when you don't have the run game they have. And then having your number one, we're supposed to be number one receiver, essentially a decoy. He's just a traffic cone out there. It makes defense a lot easier for a defense and the Broncos defense is fine. Teddy's not going to turn the ball over. I mean, I, I don't see the, the Browns being able to score 30, 40 points at will. If the offense is looking like this now, I, I think they're going to they're going to kind of spiral. I'm going to take the Browns. Talk about confirmation bias. I picked them to win the division. I figured they'd be a factor through the season. Now, I will say and we'll talk to him. We have put it in pencil, by the way, Eddie Spaghetti from around the NFL. Browns fan of note, Mark Sessler, is slated to join us next week to review the the Brownies in the Pittsburgh Steelers game in Cleveland um, when the Steelers come off the bye. Uh, he did say to me, he thinks that he, he predicted that the Cardinals would win the game in Cleveland. And he said he thinks this is going to be a, a season of uh, of hard lessons for the Browns. I, uh, nobody turns a phrase like uh, Mark Sussler does. And maybe he's right. And maybe I just uh, decided in August that the Browns were going to be legit this year. But um, boy, not looking great so far. And that brings me to the Orback of the week, like the late, great Jerry Orback said at the end of Dirty Dancing. When I'm wrong, I say I'm wrong. I was wrong about them this week. I was wrong about that. I've been wrong about them pretty much all season, and that is the Baltimore Ravens. I thought that I couldn't make sense of why FanDuel had the Ravens with, uh, with better odds to win the division than the Browns did. To this point, it's hard to argue with the with the results. All the injuries, a, a an imperfect offensive line, a banged up defense, and yet there they sit at five and one. Talk about try to make sense of the Arizona Cardinals. I can't really make sense of how the Ravens are getting this done. You watch them whip the Chargers, my pick to go to the Super Bowl out of the AFC, and Lamar Jackson didn't even play well. Um, now though, they get the Bengals. And that's the team that kind of mucks up the playoff picture where I'm concerned in the AFC. The the wild card, literal and figurative at this point, is the Cincinnati Bengals in the AFC North and maybe in the AFC. I think the whipping, like good teams do what the Bengals did to the Lions. That was a that was a pick that a lot of people were making. Detroit on the money line that you know Dan Campbell wept at the podium somehow this was going to motivate the Lions and it was a housing by the Bengals I think they're legit how say you 
Are they? I, I'm. I'm. I feel on the confidence meter. I'm at like an eight that they're going to the playoffs, and yeah. this is in advance of their Ravens game. And the good news is, by the way, for the Steelers and Browns, assuming the Browns take care of business this week on Thursday Night Football at home, the uh, one of those teams has taken an L. So you're going to have the Ravens with two losses or you're going to have the Bungles with three losses, and that equals good news for the other two teams in the North. But how say you on uh, on this Bengals team looking so good? I, I love the Bengals. I wanted to take them to win the division. It was like plus 1,100 a few weeks back, and I was going to say that in the pod, but, I mean, it probably won't win because the Ravens just somehow – I mean, talk about MVP and the, and the word valuable. I don't think there's anyone more valuable to their team than Lamar Jackson is. I'm not even sure if you put a guy like an Aaron Rodgers or a Tom Brady on the Ravens team, if the Ravens would look the same without him because he just does so much with so little or else around him. But anyway, back to the Bengals. I mean, look, you have three top, you have three receivers with uh, with Higgins and, and Boyd and Jamar Chase. That pick worked out clearly for the Bengals. Mixon not only staying healthy, but he's being productive. And Joe Burrow, oh, we're glad he's healthy. We're glad that he's, uh, you know, he's, he's back after the devastating knee injury. And he's just, you know, doing his thing uh that that's a team that you know if the defense could stop the other offenses they're gonna have to play if they could somehow control Lamar Jackson you know that's a team that I like going forward and this is this is ahead of schedule this is a team that I thought maybe a year or two to be uh contenders and I think uh kind of like what we're talking about before with the Cardinals forget the laundry they wear and the and the sticker on their helmet this is a, a team now that actually could contend and can beat some pretty uh quality opponents so I, I'm a fan of the Bengals Oh, my heavens, what a hideous Super Bowl matchup that would be if the Cardinals played the Bungles in the Super Bowl. We don't have to worry about that just yet, but keep an eye on those Bengals. This is a big spot for them upcoming against uh, one of the AFC North bullies. Um, Speaking of AFC North, big takeaways from the Steelers and Seahawks. Everybody's making fun of Geno Smith and what he didn't do in that game. Obviously, T.J. Watt... um, borderline Jenga piece for the Steelers if Cam Hayward isn't and by the way Cam Hayward getting some shout outs from Chris Collinsworth picking up on what Mina Kimes and I were laying down last week here on minus three Cam Hayward is tracking towards the Hall of Fame now it seems like nationally people are on board with this more than I realized but um if I were a Seahawks fan, and obviously if Russell Wilson, by the way, weird observation by Chris Collins, I don't doubt, I got to tell you, I didn't know that Russell Wilson was this important to the Seahawks. Like you didn't, and you're you're the voice, you're the analyst of pro football. You didn't know that that was the that Russell Wilson was important to what the Seahawks do. Either way, the guy I'd be miffed with is Pete Carroll. He had, he's had so much success in Seattle with Russ and otherwise, but. He feels outmoded now. He feels like one of these guys who just is not up to speed with the analytics at all, what they dictate you do in certain situations. He doesn't feel like he has a great feel for what's happening in-game. Alex Collins was gashing the Steelers' defense in the second half, and for some reason, we saw Geno Smith throwing the ball in big spots rather than trying to ride the run when that's what was working. Unusual to me there, Um, and also... I know it's not properly Pete Carroll's decision, but he's the head coach after all. He could say, I want to take some deep shots. Our entire offense is Lockett and Metcalf. Throw the ball deep once. They didn't try it for 68 minutes or however long that game went on Sunday night. Unusual to to not try to get the ball to to um, one or both of those guys over the course of, uh, of the game. Unusual. But on the other side of things, like I say, Steelers now three and three. It's not college football. Style points are not a factor. I said before the game, I didn't care if they won it three to two. Just get the 500 as it as it stands now. This is a, a team that wants to be physical. I know it sounds like old man speak, but it is also true that defenses get better. The more physical teams have more impact on the more finesse-based teams. That's what the Steelers want to be. You know, that, I mean, you know, November and December are rugged ball games if you look at what the Steelers have awaiting them. But they do go at Cleveland, then they go um, Chicago and Pittsburgh, and then Detroit and Pittsburgh. You know, five and four, I don't know. Maybe even they have a shot against Cleveland now. You wouldn't have said that three weeks ago, but maybe they do. Either way, they should be on the plus side of things, you know, more than halfway through the season. Um, And I mentioned the Jenga piece, the Jenga theory. You know, what? it's easy to 
to, you know, Chris Collins with, I got to tell you, this guy is a special player, but for real, that would have been an all time terrible loss since I've been watching the Steelers to blow a two touchdown lead against Geno Smith and the struggling Seattle Seahawks. And TJ Watt salvaged that, and Cam Hayward played big in the second half despite getting gashed on the run, that defense. Um, so, you know, superstars playing like superstars matters when you are an imperfect uh, bunch, as the Pittsburgh Steelers are. Um, I mentioned the Ravens, the um, the the trades that could happen, and that's the other thing. I, I, I know I, I talk about it a lot, but... Did you watch Kentucky play spaghetti on uh, on Saturday? Of course. I mean, they were yeah. overmatched overall. That's Clearly. another QB. That's another QB who is good, who is a potential option for all these teams. And there are a lot of them. Go through all the teams. I always talk QB saturation, and, and everybody has a good QB. But there are teams that are going to be angling for a quarterback in the draft, whether it's or, or in free agency. And whether or not Russ moves, Rodgers moves, Derek Carr, and otherwise, there's so many. Maybe there's not a Trevor Lawrence in the bunch, but there are, I mean, like eight guys who reasonably are going to be first or second round options. Don't worry is my point. Don't wring your hands. Focus on the now. There will be an option available in the draft and maybe via trade or in free agency. Um, And, oh, one more thing I wanted to mention from pro football is – the Vikings and Panthers, Panthers fans fighting. Did you get a load of that video, Spaghetti? Uh, I did see that on Twitter. Yes. Sweet Jesus! I mean, what, are we, what? 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 All we have to do is do those people. Do you think they see video and then they're like, "I'm never going to fight again"? If we all, as a nation, would sit down and watch these fist fights, it's kind of like my boy uh, Jean Claude Van Damashek. I showed him he had his little league game as usual this weekend, and I had videotape of him. And I said, look, check yourself out here running the bases. You look good. And he said, man, I didn't realize I was so slow. I thought I was going so much faster than that. I think that's what we think. I think we think we look like Sugar Ray Leonard um, when, in fact, we um, we look quite, uh, quite silly. And I think if we could just show everybody themselves fighting, I think that would put an end to things. How say you? Yeah, well, my advice would be, look, if you are a fan of a mediocre team uh, and you want to fight another a mediocre team's uh, opponent, uh, find an area or find a, an empty, isolated place without people with cell phones that are going to record you and then take care of your business, you know, in the shadows. That's that's my advice to, to, yeah, to those. But but also fighting, I mean, fighting another girl man fighting over a sport is just uh, it's something that my brain does not comprehend. So the Vikings and these it's the Vikings and Panthers, you people. What are you fighting over? I mean, maybe I could make some sense of it if it were like a Dodgers and Braves fans tangling or something. But what, what are we doing? This is this is the, the Vikings and Panthers. They're not worth uh, spilling blood over. Come on. Um, and uh, what about the Pitt Panthers? giving three and a half to Clemson. How say you on that? Clemson, one? Clemson does not, co- Clemson does not cover. I, I think Clemson is a team that had high expectations. Uh, I never really bought into them as a, a championship level team. They probably, if they look, if they won their ACC, of course, they're going to make the, the playoff. But I, I was always on the Georgia slash Bama bandwagon this year, but they, they're a team that's smiling and their quarterback of the future has not really translated to what they thought. And the team, I think just that's weird, right? That that guy, the the DJU is, is this is so thoroughly mediocre. I'm not going to say he's He's everything. He's, he's everything you want a quarterback. He's, he's huge. He has a rocket arm. He's mobile. I mean, he's a five star. He's played with other tremendous uh, high school athletes and is during his games. I think he's from uh, the inland empire, not too from uh, far from us here in California. And it's like, he's played the best of the best and he's shown that he could be great, but lately he has not been that. And the team, this is a classic team just lost all confidence in them. And I'm not sure if maybe Dabo's message is not getting through. I don't know what it is, but that's a team that, that does not cover so I, I am with you. I would say take the Pitt Panthers uh, and, and the points. Oh, the it makes, not gonna win. oh, it makes me too nervous to say that out loud, to take the Pitt Panthers laying three and a half to the Clemson Tigers. But I am excited to watch it. That's for sure. I'll be watching that on the TV because I'm going to Bloomington, Indiana. Like I say, we'll see if the Hoosiers can uh, put a dent into the Buckeyes. Um, but the main event for me is that um, – 
a couple of the guys who I'll be catching up with out there in Bloomington. I've, I've mentioned them here and there over the years on uh, various shows. One is the hog. Um, and he, we call him the hog because, uh, he, he's a human being who looks kind of like a hog. Um, he's kind of like when Michael Jackson in the video, uh, turns into the werewolf. There's certain people like this in life. You know, they, they, um, they look like they got caught like halfway between the transformation from human into beast. And that's what the hog looks like. He's like, he was a human at one point, but then, so, you know, he got bitten at midnight by a pig. And, um, and now he's like halfway to transformation into, into being a swine. Anyhow, he's uh, he's a great athlete for a man of his carriage. He's fast, surprisingly so. And once when we were in Las Vegas, he got into an argument with another pal of mine, whose surname is Sander, and so people nicknamed him Colonel um, for obvious reasons. And uh, they got to arguing about who was faster. And um, then this led to us going into the alleyway behind Smith and Walensky's and them have and the and the bus boys gathered around at night. It was like a spectacle, like a Batman fight or something that you see against uh, some local toughs. And um, we they they lined the way the bus boys from Smith and Walensky's all came out to watch and we lined it up and uh, they ran a 50 yard dash against each other. The hog won that one. The next year, we were in Bloomington, and the Hoosiers had just beaten the Iowa Hawkeyes, and we were celebrating on Kirkwood Avenue, where all the good bars and everything are, right off of uh, the edge of, uh, of the IU campus. And again, thousands of students all around, and we lined them up, once again, these two on Kirkwood Avenue. I think we have video. I'll look and see if I can post it on social media. And uh, they raced right down Kirkwood Avenue. Now, some chicanery took place. Some people claim there was, um, you know, some pushing and shoving that went on, that one of the competitors thought that the finish line was a little bit shorter than where it actually was. So this thing is, you know, cast in conspiracy and controversy. And the great news is round three upcoming this weekend in Bloomington, Indiana, I'm setting the line at uh, the Hog, winner of both races to this date. the The factor I'm gonna I'm gonna make the Hog minus two fifty, and not just that's because it's his weight, but also because I think he will win. But he, but I haven't seen him in like three years or so. For all I know, he's now plus three hundred. Uh, if you know what I mean, and then this would maybe make me swing towards the uh, towards the colonel. We'll see how that goes. Do you have any of those competitions with any of your pals, Spaghetti? We've done some of the like challenges that have come across, like nothing, uh, nothing like uh, that. But like the you know the cinnamon challenge and the 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 saltine challenge. I don't think we've tried the gallon of milk one. Uh, maybe uh, somebody's on the uh, the Edward Forty hands, but we'll we'll keep it PG here. But uh, nothing, uh, no, no physical thing about uh, like you have. And I will say too about this game, the Indiana Ohio State game. It's pretty interesting from the standpoint that maybe this could be a trap game for Ohio State. Looking forward to the Penn State game. They've already come out and said they're going to do their color rush, all scarlet uh, uniforms, going to be at home. On the road in Bloomington, they were overlooking the opponent. You know, and I'm not saying I feel ultra confident, but Ohio State has not been uh, as solid as we thought, and maybe they're just gearing up too much for two weeks instead of uh, what's coming up this weekend, so you never know. Yeah, and uh, for what it's worth, uh, IU really had a great shot against Michigan State, and that includes a pick six by Michigan State, but the defense is good for the Hoosiers. So they might be able to slow down Ohio state a little bit. Ultimately though, I'm not going to um, put any harder and loot on the Hoosiers to, to beat a team of that caliber. Um, like we say, Purdue knocked off Iowa. This means Eddie spaghetti, your nightmare is getting ever closer. Cincinnati, even if they stumble, as long as they win out, I think they have to be in the playoff now. Uh, whatever. They're going to beat up on their community colleges on their schedule. It doesn't matter. At this point, I don't even care because Georgia, to me, has... Good, so then you'll get what you want. So we'll both get Georgia. We'll both get what we want. So they'll get whipped. So they'll so they'll yeah. lose 70 oh, to nothing, wait. and that'll be fine. I cannot wait for that. I really cannot wait. I, Georgia, versus an undefeated team, they had to play their backup, Stenson Bennett, and it didn't skip a beat. The Georgia's by far the best team in the country, and it doesn't matter who two, three, and four are. So whatever, let's insanity matters to me. 
I, I don't care if it's Cincinnati. What I hope it's Kenny Pickett and the Pitt Panthers after they vanquish uh, Clemson and everyone else standing in their path in the ACC. Talk to our pal Will Brinson about it. NC State also looking good. Our preseason win-loss totals are both tracking in the right direction, Eddie Spaghetti. I said Pitt over seven wins. They're ahead of schedule. His Wolfpack, six and a half. They're way ahead of schedule. Both teams having nice seasons there. Who knows? Maybe they'll meet in the ACC championship. Your Irish playing USC just like Collinsworth was talking, as I predicted, about Seattle and Pittsburgh. Like, these are two proud franchises, Al. They're not used to these circumstances, but they still show up to play. Will the same be true between uh, these two longtime rivals? And who do you got in that one? Last I saw, it's your Irish laying six and a half. Yeah, the Notre Dame is a much better team right now than uh, USC uh, is, and they're dealing with their own coaching issues. I mean, look, I've always said from the start of the season, it's a transition year for Notre Dame. They're rotating through three separate quarterbacks, although I wish it would just, you know, just use one. I think continuity at that position actually is best. Uh, I look for Kyron Williams to get back on track and have a better game uh, as their offensive line, which also has had to deal with a lot of issues. The left tackle um, just gets a little bit better. And, you know, I'm still going to trust their defense. Uh, Kyle Hamilton is might be the number two overall pick in this draft. And uh, Michael Mayer needs to get back on track too, because get back to what he was doing earlier on in this year. Uh, I don't think there should be really a problem at home to, to beat the Trojans. All right. And uh, thus ends a look back and a little look ahead. And let's talk about both things right now with a guy who was out on the field on Sunday night before the nation, Trey Turner. But first we do have to mention Basketball is back. There's no better place to bet it than FanDuel Sportsbook. To celebrate the NBA tip-off, FanDuel Sportsbook is giving new customers enhanced odds. That is correct. 75 to 1 odds on any team to win on October 19th or the 20th, as in right now we're talking about. I'll throw one out for you right here. It's uh, easy peasy. I think that the Utah Jazz will make quick work of the OKC Thunder. They're laying 12 after all. All you have to do is pick the Jazz to win. Are we talking out right here, Eddie Spaghetti? I think we are. We're just talking about them winning a ball game. And 75 to 1 payout is uh, is what you're going to get there. Fan duel is great because of uh, a, an offer like this. But also the fast payouts, the great site. Get in there, and as a side note, Eddie Spaghetti, we'll get Hench's opinion on this later in the week. I'm going chalk, but I say it all the time. It's as chalky a league as there is in American pro sports. I'm going to take the Nets. I'm going to take the Lakers. I know that isn't very interesting, but it still pays out plus, plus 550 if those two teams meet each other. I say bet it at FanDuel.com slash minus three, the word minus the number three. Do the same thing. Use that same promo code on this 75 to one offer. Eddie Spaghetti, just to get it on the record here, who's your NBA finals pick? I like the couple teams from the West here. I'm counting on the Nets. I think the mess with Kyrie is not going to last. I don't see the Bucs going back to back, and I don't think there's another team in the East that could really contend. Uh, Sorry, Sixers fans. So I want to say... I like between the Suns, the Jazz, and the Nuggets to read, but those three teams will be in the mix late in this. I'm, I'm going to go with the Jazz. I think the Jazz are for real. I like them. I, you know, I, I mean, it's now old news, but the East is not the pushover it was five years ago for about, uh, actually, for about a quarter century. That was true. But there are some interesting options for you to play on the Eastern side of things. Um, like I say, I'm going to stick with the Nets. And you mentioned I, Embiid and Ben Simmons not liking each other is not a great way to start the season for an otherwise talented team. I'm with you. I don't think the Bucks go back to back. Um, so I'm going to ride with the Nets despite the Kyrie mess that uh, goes on there. Maybe he'll resolve things as things go forward. Um, all right. And of course, as I say, make sure you're betting along with us. FanDuel.com slash minus three, the word minus the number three, and now football. Okay, here he is, everybody, from Baton Rouge to Charlotte to L.A. and now on the banks of the Three Rivers. It's Trey Turner. How you doing, man? I'm well, man. How, how about yourself? 
Well, I'm doing a lot better as a Steelers fan after uh, what went down on Sunday night football. Big relief. Uh, I'm not going to jive you. I was uh, I was very nervous there for stretches. Um, how's that go for you? How is that? I watched you. You know, you're embracing number seven there. A couple touchdowns in the second quarter. Then you come out and all of a sudden the Seahawks are running all over you. Um, what What's the vibe um, in the offensive huddle when you see things going against the defense like that? What's the conversation with Roethlisberger on down? Um, honestly, I'm an even kill guy, so when we're doing good, I'm excited, but then I'm, I'm back complacent. And when we're doing not so hot, I have a moment, but then I'm back complacent. Uh, it's a, you can't you – can't, you can't get into the ebbs and the flows of the game, and they're, they're going to make some plays. You know, some things not going to fall your way, and then some things will. And you just have to capitalize when you can and, and make the most of every opportunity. So it's not so much a conversation or so much words. It's just everybody knows what page you need to be on. Everybody knows when you have those gotta-have-it moments. I mean, every moment is a gotta-have-it moment, but, you know, some, some way a little bit more than others. So um, when those moments come, you just try to make the play. I'm fascinated always by the guys under the helmets, not just uh, the the guys doing the heroic stuff, but what the conversation is. When you're embracing Roethlisberger over those touchdowns, and I'm watching you guys celebrate one-on-one, what are you saying to him? Uh, it's, a, it's a couple of choice words in there. <laughs> <laughs> like, I want but, my uh, credit, Roethlisberger. I made the big block there. You're getting all the all the glory, but how about me? Yeah, no, nah, man. It, it, it's just glad to see... I mean, you got to think, man, we, we start this process on a Monday and then it culminates on a Sunday and uh, just seeing the plan come come to life. Those are the, It's not like we go and run those plays for the first time. So you usually see those plays throughout the week and it's like, yeah, we, you know, we saw that, expected that, and, you know, it happened for us. And, you know, you get excited about it, man. It's hard to score in this league, man, and it's hard to win. So you need to be excited when you do. I mean, yeah, we're really with Matt Canada running jet sweeps to the tight end, Eric Ebron. I mean, that that, that was uh, um, fun to see. The big question going into the season, and, and you were a relatively late add to that mix, was the offensive line and, you know, all the conversation this offseason. If it wasn't about Ben Roethlisberger and whether or not he was ready to go at age 39, it was about the young guys up front. And then you mix in there. Do you feel like, I mean, you're obviously as close to it as you get. Do you feel week to week that there's progress individually and collectively with your unit? Do you think that there's room to grow this season? I'm not talking about 2022 or beyond. I'm talking about, you know, now you get a fortnight to rest up, get right for the trip to Cleveland. Do you see progress from from your veteran um, point of view? Um, You know, it's only two ways you go. Either you're getting better or you're getting worse. There's no in-between. So uh, we had to keep getting better. We had to keep making strides. We had to keep uh, keep growing. Uh, we have a thing in our room where it's, it's new problems. You never want to have the same old problem over and over and over again. Um, you rather fix that problem, correct it, and find a new problem. Find something else to work on. Find something to make better. And uh, that's just been a goal, man. Uh, we have a lot of carryover, so that helps with, with the young line that we have. And uh, I feel like we're just building continuity. Is it perfect? No, but um, you know we're still searching for the perfect game, and we and we have been able to get us get some wins without having a perfect game. So I think that's that's telling to the team that we could be. Yeah, I mean, you know, uh, I'm not trying to be optimistic about it, but I, you know, I was looking at it the first third of this season or whatever. I I, I kind of circled the bye week as if the defense can kind of carry the day. I think the offense can kind of, uh, you know, rise up as the season goes along. Now you're sitting there three and three. Um, do you feel like Roethlisberger, Canada, you know, the the big conversation under center versus gun? Do you have a preference, first of all, as a blocker? Do you like to be in the gun or under center? And do you think that things are gelling with Roethlisberger's point of view and what Canada wants to do? And that was a long question, boss. Yeah, it was. I well, it was. I have a lot that I have a lot to ask you. Fifty-one. <laughs> uh, um, you know, uh, that's that's about my pay grade, man. I don't, I don't get into <laughs> to analytics or that type of stuff. I mean, however we call it, however we dial it up. All I know is, hey, man, let's roll and try to go get it. That's all I know. That's that's, that's my only concern. I, I leave all of those decisions to the people that you know they they matter to. Um, 
honestly, boss, I, you know, it's 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 one of those things where sometimes you have to switch stuff up. So if it's under center, if, it, if it's gun, whatever's working, let's do it. Now, see, that's a good answer. I like that. Um, toughest <laughs> guy you line up against in practice, and there are a lot of good choices for you, or bad, I guess, if you're doing it in the moment. But uh, Cam Hayward and obviously Watt and um, yeah, and so on and so forth. Who's who's the hardest for you personally to handle? Uh, you know, we have a, just a good defense in general. Um, mm-hmm. Give you a lot of different looks. Give you a uh, lot, of, lot of different uh, fronts and whatnot. But uh, you know, uh, I don't know. That's that's a that's a different question. I, I wasn't expecting that one. Uh, you know, TJ is TJ, Cam is Cam. I don't I don't really see see either of them too often to be quite honest with you. But uh, yeah. Hmm. I'm surprised you don't at least have to knock heads with 97 on occasion during the week. Um, why uh, did hey, you? Played on the left side. Oh yeah, that's true. Okay. I'm doing the math on that. Okay. That checks out. Why? Um, I, I mentioned uh, your journeys around college and in the, in the pro football there. Um, you were number 70. How did I know 70s retired with the Steelers, but how come 51? How'd you land on that one? Uh, I was 56 in high school. I mean, not in high school, in college at LSU. And, uh, when I got here, my boy Alex was 56 uh, you know, he, he's making a, a statement in that number for himself. I'm like, nah, I don't want to mess with that. And uh, I actually had the opportunity to, to play next to uh, to Mike Pouncey. And uh, I had looked up to Mike Pouncey, you know, coming up. I remember him and his brother Marquise playing at Florida. Mm-hmm. And if, if that wasn't guys that you was, you know, trying to emulate, then you wasn't, you know, playing, playing O-line the right way. And uh, I think it was just one of those things where I was like, man, 51, that's what's available. I like the 50 numbers. I couldn't get 70 because it wasn't available. And uh, I didn't want another number that I really didn't job with. So I had to politely tell tell my friend Buddy I needed that. I, You know what? Uh, I like that. And I think it's it shows some real class, Trey, that you would uh, shout out Florida after what happened uh, this weekend. Uh, I'm sure you and Joe um, had some had some good talks about that. <laughs> You know, he, he, it's funny you said that. He didn't bring it up, but I, I no. will be sure to make that today. You know, we, we were so focused on Sunday night football, we kind of let that one pass by. I got you. Hey, um, <laughs> what, uh, you know, we talk about your uniform number. Another fashion question I have for you is, how come your shirt's always untucked? I noticed by the second half, it's always like you can tell who, who uh, Trey Turner is out on the field because uh, the jersey always comes undone. <laughs> That's funny. What's going on? Uh, uh, that's just that's just me. Um, I always been like that. Um, you know, we play a game where, where you know, you you get pulled on, you get tugged on, sweats there, all this, that, and the third. My appearance is my appearance at that point in time. I'm in a dog fight. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Yeah. Well, and also, I also I also notice because uh, I I I, uh, I care about the fashion. I you, you wear your socks up real high. I uh, I also yeah. notice that about you. You're very distinctive out on the field. Is uh, is what I'm saying. So Baton Rouge, you know the Bayou, then Charlotte, North Carolina. I've been around that stadium before. The smoke meets uh, make it hard to focus on the game before uh, before yeah. it takes off with all the tailgating. Then L.A. Great yeah. sushi and otherwise good tacos and everything. And now Pittsburgh, where uh, give me uh, give me your favorite uh, food, and which is the worst food town of the of the four you've been through in these last decade or so? You know, um, Pittsburgh surprisingly has a few spots. Um, mm. I'm a I'm a regular I'm a regular at Umi. Um, shout out to to all my people at Umi. That was one of my first stops when I got to Pittsburgh, and it just woke you know, me Sydney Crosby, Sydney Crosby loves it there. Uh, former Steeler Ike Taylor sing songs about that. Man, I got to get to Umi already. Yeah, man, Umi, Umi is the bomb, man. and the people that work there are even much better. So, um, you know, I have a That's great cool. time every time I go. They take care of me, make sure me and my people good. Um, my second one will probably be Eddie, v, Eddie V's. Eddie V's is usually the go-to spot. Hmm. After you get a win. So uh, shout out to Eddie V. And they always complimentary and, and get us in and, and make sure that we're taken care of. 
That's excellent. Um, yeah, who was the first guy within the Steelers organization when you uh, when you got there who uh, who greeted you? Who's who's proven to be a, a standout guy to you as a you know a well traveled guy around pro football? Who's who's let jumped out to you? It's like, man, I didn't expect this guy to be so cool. You know, man, it, it's strange because when you, when you've been around the league a little bit and you play like we played the Steelers every year that I was in Carolina, so I played the Steelers six times. Then I had a, a year stop in L.A., and I got to play a couple other teams that I usually didn't see often. And when you when you play guys like that, you get to know people, and you realize people know you. So it, it was funny enough, I kind of knew majority of the team. I knew Joe. Um, I knew Cam from playing, and me and Tua came out together and trained together. Um, me and Chase, uh, a year before, I had just played 18 holes of golf. Like it, So it's... It's crazy, like, <clears throat> how, how many ties you have to people. And, you know, how you know everybody for the most part is basically what I'm saying. So uh, everybody kind of hit me up when the news came and, you know, kind of welcomed me with open arms. And, you know, it was cool. Um, You know, I mentioned uh, one Cam to you. Let's start with him, Cam Hayward, and then I'll give you another Cam in a second here. Cam Hayward, Hall of Famer from where you sit they were talking about it on sunday night football chris collinsworth floated it i've been pushing that uh, some other national voices are pushing it where do you come down i mean god career speaks for itself i mean i, I don't really know know the numbers or, or what it takes to get in the, in the hall of fame from that standpoint but when i tell you to do the baller you're a baller um i don't i don't think this defense goes without him I think that's uh, yeah. I think that's pretty much right. And he's not. Uh, it's not like he has a super varied uh, range of things that he goes to. He just straight out pushes gigantic human beings around. It's I, I've seen. It's rare that I've seen uh, a, a defensive lineman manhandle, um, you know, professional offensive lineman the way he does. So okay, we're agreed there. Cam Newton Hall of Fame. Um. If you ask me, I will say, yeah. I mean, to be honest, man, it's a lot of people that, that I think should be in the Hall of Fame that's not. And I don't know. That that conversation is just so tricky because you have to have a certain amount of numbers. You know, you have to meet quotas and all of this stuff. I mean, when you put on a tape, I mean, film don't lie. You got people that pop out on tape, and if you pop out on tape, then, hey, if you do that on a consistent basis, Year after year, I mean, hey, I, I feel like you should at least be considered, right? I mean, I do, and uh, maybe if he winds up going to Seattle, that's the buzz as we speak now that he might uh, land up there after um, after Sunday Night Football. Um, if he has one good third act, if he has one more good season, I think uh, he has a real shot at it, even though a lot of people are cynical about doing that. Real quick, a couple more for you. Um Let's get to the bottom of what happened a few weeks back with that whole spit business. What what went down uh, there? You, I tell you. Um, okay. So we was, we had a play to Najee. Um, so it was to the left side of the field. Um, threw the ball. Najee made a Najee play. Ended up running up the sideline, scoring. Uh, me and Chooks was on the right side handling up. Uh, ended up blocking uh, number 98. He came inside uh, of the block and, um, yeah, was able to block him up, let Ben do his thing. And uh, after that, uh, a few words were passed. And, um, yeah, I was spit on. I told the ref what happened. And, uh, you know, I don't think you could really uh, – I don't think you could really uh, – what's the word I'm looking for? You can't. Abide by that. You can't, you, you can't, not even that. You can't plan for that situation. Oh, okay. That, that's, that's not a situation that you can say, okay, if that happens, I respond this way. Um, I kind of just responded the only way I knew to respond. And that was just with my emotions and, and retaliation. Um, I, if, if another man just walked up to you and spit in your face, I'd be quite obliged if you told me you would walk away. Somebody one time opened my car door in in uh, bumper to bumper traffic. They opened my car door because they felt like I cut them off, which I didn't. But we don't need to go down that road. Um, but he opened my car door and he air spit like he spit in my face, but he didn't actually spit. He just like blew air. What should my response have been to that? Uh, 
well, if, if another man opened my car door, he it's gonna be. So. Yeah, <laughs> but I'm know. weak. I'm a, I'm a weak physical man. Like I, I I I I'm not built like you, Trey Turner. That's the question. All right, we we'll solve that at another time. These are things you can ponder because you don't have to play this coming week. Get right. Get healthy. You're three and three. I think the future, kind of like you indicate there, is probably a little better even for a team that's 500 and you're sitting well in the AFC, a real shot at the playoffs. Um, appreciate you taking the time on a uh, on a busy Monday. Uh, rest up after what I'm sure was a late night for you and uh, and go get them the rest of the way, man. Stay healthy. No, appreciate it, man. Have a good one. All right, take care. There he goes, everybody. Trey Turner, number 51. Should have asked him about Coach O there, Eddie Spaghetti, to see what he thinks about uh, the Coach O thing. That's an interesting situation down there in Baton Rouge. But good stuff from uh, from Trey Turner. Yeah, and just to and, and go on that point, crazy stuff down in Baton Rouge. It's, it's hard to believe that a coach 21 months after, I think, that winning a national championship going undefeated was uh, was let go by the by the program. But, yeah, I mean, you called it with the Steelers. Uh, if they win this game versus Seattle, they're 3-3. Three and three, They have the bye week. And now we see how, uh, you know, the Browns, they, they dropped the game and, you know, the offense looks kind of shaky. The Ravens, like Lamar didn't have a great game, but they surprised them beat the Chargers. The, the Bengals, who I've been saying, I think are really, really good. Um, you know, they're they're hanging around. So this AFC North now is going to be it's a wild mix. Uh, it's not going to shake out like how we thought. Yep. Two games back that the the wild card of it and maybe literal wild card, if not a division champ, is the Cincinnati Bengals. I think that's the the element that no one really saw coming you know what spaghetti i think we've said it all or we've said at least enough for today we'll get another bite at the apple with our pal kevin hench coming up on thursday in the meantime make sure you get in on that great fan duel offer 75 to 1 odds all you have to do is pick an nba winner on either october 19th or the 20th another reminder for you make sure you're betting with us against us or otherwise get over to extrapoints.com and get in the arcade the pick them um, games are there for you with nice prizes to be had if you emerge victorious there. All the great shows to listen to on the Extra Points Network uh, against all odds four times a week. You got uh, Lemon Pepper Parlay. You got Eddie Spaghetti and Jen Piacente doing their thing on Waiver Wire. With that, thanks to Eddie Spaghetti. Thanks to Trey Turner. And thank you. We'll be back on Thursday. And until then, thanks so much, sports fans. It's been a thin slice of heaven. <laughs>